0: Hello Jan. Hey Adam. How's it going? It's going great. Awesome. Excited to talk about CTF. Yeah me too. So we're here on CTF radio and we're here today to talk about something that yeah what is CTF especially because we love using this acronym and so we always get this question what is CTF so today we're going to kind of break it down for people who are new to CTF so we can actually talk about kind of what do we actually mean? So can you walk us through at a high level what what is CTF and what does it stand for, Jan?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we'll start easy uh, with what, what it stands for. It stands for Capture the Flag. Easy. Um, and if you think about the game Capture the Flag as you played it in elementary school, um, you have two teams and you have... Uh, everyone has their their flags or there's a, a central team storage of flags and people run across grab a flag and madly try to dash to the other side
0: uh before someone i have a confession to make i've never played an in-person capture the flag no way but the closest i ever had was on probably a whatever desktop machine we had some windows xp machine there was a capture the flag game that i played <laughs> and that's the closest i came to a physical capture the flag that's
1: hilarious the, the capture the flag game uh i mean i i played a absurd amount of unreal tournament capture the flag yeah that's, uh, that's i think that's, where that's most that's people kind of... get
0: confused right exactly, is because capture yeah. the flag is a super popular game mode for games right is yeah. we, you know uh yeah unreal quake did quake have a capture the flag i don't know but It
1: was more an unreal guy. We'd have to ask Odo for quick.
0: Yeah, so similar kind of idea there, right, in the physical world is the the team's goal is rather than just blow each other apart, you have to blow each other apart and get to some place, steal a flag, and with that flag, bring it all the way back. I think Halo also has this too. I recall playing this a lot in Halo.
1: And so um, at some point...
0: So what the heck does uh, that have to do with computer security, man?
1: Exactly. Um, At some point when... You know, Unreal Tournament was in its kind of original peak popularity. Um, At DEF CON, this concept was evolved that you could play something very similar, but instead of uh, pixels and, and, um, you know, rocket launchers, or in addition to pixels and rocket launchers, you could uh, have vulnerable computer programs and exploits. And, uh, the, this new genre of hacker game arose, um, back in, in like the, you know, early, early ages of, of, of the early to mid nineties, um, or, you know, maybe the mid to late nineties, but you know, this, uh, CTF as a, as a form of, uh, formalized hacker combat, mm-hmm. um, emerged where people would show up to DEF CON, um, and uh, they would sit down initially as kind of an open free-for-all and just kind of hack um, systems that were set up by the competitors or by each other. Mm. some of the early, early DEFCON editions, uh, uh, from what I hear, I, I didn't compete in them and I wasn't even at DEFCON as an as a attendee back then.
0: So that would be something fun uh, maybe to dig into the history at some point and get yeah. some people on here to talk about that those times.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because the, the people, you know, <laughs> luckily are still alive. <laughs> it's a fairly new field.
0: That is yeah. the good thing about, you know, computer security is those people are exactly. still around. It's not like physics where we're reading Galileo's work or something. <laughs> <trying to laughs> interpret it.
1: it'd be nice to talk to him about it yeah <laughs> exactly um, so yeah a, a lot of these people uh you know competitors would would bring vulnerable systems to the to the competition mm-hmm. or maybe systems they thought were invulnerable um you have to be pretty and, and new to
0: security it... to believe that a system is invulnerable exactly <laughs>
1: Exactly. I just actually finished recording uh, one of my lectures for my class where I tried to get this across very thoroughly. Yeah, yeah exactly. One flaw and it's over. Yeah. Um. So, anyways, uh, this was the early ages of CTF, right? Mm-hmm. It was this free for all, um, etc. As cybersecurity got harder, uh, more complicated, um, and these challenges evolved to to meet that complexity. Mm-hmm. Um, you started seeing the emergence of these uh, hacking groups that would team up and and compete in these uh, CTFs.
0: And is that when it started uh, to become more game-like, or you know, do you have a notion there of how it transitioned from just like a show up and here's some system to hack versus like a you know more of a game-style thing?
1: Yeah, I, I don't know exactly how that transition happened. Um, I think it was something that that emerged uh, along with, for example, the concept of black badges mm-hmm. at DefCon. Right, right. So uh, a DefCon black badge is a badge of honor for a for a hacker.
0: And so, for and... to catch people up, right. So if they're mm-hmm. super new to this, right, DefCon is a annual, let's say, underground hacker conference. Uh, the way I like to explain it is, it's so underground, you can't pay with a credit card. You can only pay cash to uh, to attend. And it uh, usually occurs uh, in the summertime in Las Vegas, where it's super hot, and you pack a bunch of hackers into these conference rooms to talk about all things uh, cybersecurity related. And so... Not just talk, go crazy. Talk and yeah, go, I mean, I I was ignoring that. You know, I think people need to experience these things on their own. Uh, Yeah, go crazy, party, hack, learn, uh, go to talks, uh, participate in contests, right? All that kind of stuff. I think the last numbers we had were something like 30,000 people attend this uh, conference in person every year, uh, which is super uh, crazy and super cool. So it provides kind of this uh, breeding ground for these types of competitions, right? And so the yeah, Black exactly. Badge, so then can you explain how, how why that is yeah. special?
1: So uh, these competitions started arising at DEFCON. Uh, we just finished up, um, I mean, we, the community, just finished up DEFCON 28. Wow, 28 uh, in years of DEFCON. This year. 28 years of DEFCON. Um, so this, this has been running for a long time. Somewhere around um, it, within the first decade of DEFCON, this concept emerged. Uh, everyone, when they pay with the cash to attend the conference, they get a badge. Mm-hmm. And that's how, you know, you. it's a standard uh, conference thing. So you get your badge, you walk around, and, and uh, eventually the con got too big. Um, and we, we and, and now, I mean, I guess we're kind of indirectly involved, but like right. uh, DEFCON, the conference, they, they needed uh, people that were like in charge and so forth. So there were became two types of badges. There uh... were the Boon badges, which are the kind of organizing group of DEF CON, the conference. Which are a good thing. That's, were... I
0: think something that happens a lot in hacker yes. culture is you take a yes. word that, you know, like a goon is normally a bad thing. But here these are volunteers who help uh, basically organize logistics. I mean, they, they'll, they if you hear, uh, yeah, move aside or what are they, when they're trying to like make a path uh, for people. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I mean, yeah, everything from that mm-hmm. to um, when, maybe this is uh, jumping ahead a little bit, when we had a CTF player collapse at the table from yes. dehydration, yes, uh, the goons ran in and, and uh, you know, <laughs> did the initial medical triaging. Exactly. Um, yeah, so uh, that just started getting kind of uh specialized mm-hmm. um everyone normally had human badges and it's a human on it in some form uh, everyone else would have um you know uh, or goons would have goon badges or contest uh organizer badges uh and so forth um in I case throw anyone's badge, I
0: listening in the future yeah why don't you go get the badge i i was gonna make the joke that in the future you know if you're listening to this podcast uh at this point you did not have to pass a uh a captcha to get a human badge you know we assumed that anyone who showed up and paid cash was a human uh, maybe that changes in the future who knows where we have you know uh have to have robots that try to attend defcon i mean anything is possible so as uh, if, you can, like- if you're watching the video jan is getting one of his badges this is from uh, defcon 28 um and Whoa the safe God, safe in. mode badge uh, we just talked about how at least I'm going to keep that badge pristine in its case. And <laughs> Jan is... Mine is already not... covered in cat hair. Exactly. For you, so... for our our fans, our people.
1: Exactly. This is uh, the Decon 28 uh, safe mode badge. And
0: it's a um... uh, cassette tape for either those that are listening to yeah. us. Yeah, so it's got a side A, a legit... side B. It's a legit cassette tape. I-, I don't even know if I have a Walkman or anything to plug that into. I don't even know if you do, Jan, but...
1: I have one stashed somewhere. I don't know if it's in my house. There's
0: definitely...
1: Ah, my Jeep has a tape player.
0: Wow. I think we finally found a use for your uh, (laughs) old Jeep, let's say. Old, reliable Jeep.
1: Uh, Anyways, so this is the badge. Um, this one is almost kind of a bad example. Cause it doesn't say human anywhere because right, because it's for DEFCON it, you know, safe mode. Safe mode's a bit is, of a special. Exactly, it was uh, happening all occasion. online. Exactly. So um, the uh, idea though, they'd make thirty thousand or whatever. Like my first DEFCON, DEFCON nine, there were ten thousand people. Right? They made ten thousand badges or something close mm-hmm. to that. Usually, you run out partway through because you know these are very custom things it's it's not easy to make you know thousands of them and so forth right. some year they have electronic components yep. uh some years they they uh, are like they, one year it was a pressed vinyl <laughs> That's um, so cool yeah there's there's a lot of cool stuff with them and um anyways as as these badges started getting more and more specialized um the concept emerged and maybe we should invite dark tangent onto this uh, podcast to talk about this more thoroughly um, and more authoritatively. Um, But Black Badges arose as the ultimate in kind of hacker skill. Mm -hmm. Uh, And a very few amount of contests would grant the winner a Black Badge ctf emerged and these are
0: not as- not contests like best mohawk or something like that which are fantastic contests and i think one year you almost right. got me to compete in that contest to <laughs> shave my head into a mohawk during Would've the ctf good. i think that was the year we were playing in the contest hall arena at one of the tables that's right that's right and so the all those contests the lock picking contest those kinds of things were going on They're but, all there. but those yeah. those are fantastic contests but here we're talking about black badges for the you know the the top of the top hackers, let's yeah. say,
1: and it's it's very hard to um, make a contest that you know is worthy of a black badge. And and one of the kind of capstone um, sort of contests of DefCon was uh, DefCon CTF, mm-hmm. and is DefCon CTF. Um, DefCon CTF every year gets eight black badges. Wow, um, for the, the the winning team, mm-hmm. right? So originally. Um, eight kind of emerged as a uh, solid number for where you have a team with a lot of hacking capacity, a lot of different specializations, right. um, but it's not too big to manage. Right, right? Um, The old kind of, you know, uh, like the ghetto hackers and, and, and these sort of uh, elite hacking crews, they had their, their group of people, they would dominate DEF CON, they mm-hmm. would get uh, black badges, and eventually they would take over organizing the CTF right. as well. Um, and so that's kind of the, the story of DEF CON captured the flag as an mm-hmm. event. Now, what does it look like um, on the inside? Well, it, it varies. Um, there are different flavors of, of CTF as a uh, you know, game in, in, in gaming. There's also different flavors in C, of CTF as a game. And is security. this something
0: that's only locked to DEF CON now? Does it sound I mean, it no, seems like the uh, idea yeah. kind of originated there and has it uh, morphed. It,
1: it's exploded. Um, so shortly after Defcon, um, there were a couple of CTFs. Very, uh, I think the first like unofficial Defcon CTF was something like um, you know nineteen like like nine nineteen ninety six. I think you already see you know something recognizable mm-hmm. as CTF, um, uh, and then. Shortly afterwards, this concept really catches on Mm -hmm. and you start seeing the uh, international uh, CTF, the ICTF from uh, UC Santa Barbara. You start seeing um, CTFs being run in Russia with uh, Rue CTF. You start Mm -hmm. seeing a lot of um, CTFs all around the world. And now there's a CTF more or less every weekend. They're not all in person, obviously. They're mostly online online. Defcon CTF now has grown enough that at some point it started needing a qualifying round to limit the attendees, <laughs> right? And so now the qualifying round is online, and then the, the top uh, hackers from the qualifying round are invited to compete in the finals. Uh, which so to give some
0: usually. some context to what you were talking about, so the ICTF, which is run by uh, UC Santa Barbara and Giovanni Vigna's group in the SecLab over there, which... Uh, full disclosure we did our PhDs there so we had our hand in uh, administering and running multiple multiple ICTFs, and also playing Um, so the first ones were in uh, 2001 and 2002 which were local at UC Santa Barbara was first uh, run as part of Giovanni's class and then 2003 was when they had uh, teams around the US that actually participated in this CTF so yeah it's crazy and so you know, I think uh, good resources for people who are into this, like Jan said, CTFs every weekend, right? I mean, CTF time is a good place yeah. to go to go look at those.
1: CTFtime.org. But... Yeah.
0: Yep. Uh, um, so yeah, so you're talking about, uh, circling back, you're talking about different styles of CTF. So what does that mean? It yeah. sounds kind of like, well, yeah, you just hack things, right? So what do you need different styles for?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So you might ask something similar in uh in the computer game setting, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's it seems pretty simple. You run over, you shoot everyone on the way, you grab the the flag, you shoot everyone on the way back. Well there are already different uh minor variants in the computer game mm-hmm. world. Um for example, there are variants where if you grab the flag and you get killed on the way back to your base, you drop the flag right. and your buddy can pick it up and, and try to finish the run.
0: Or well, you can't do um, the flag. Where so, so there are variants where you can't
1: shoot, there are variants where you can shoot. There are variants where if you drop the flag, it goes back to the its home base. Right. So there are you know, all sorts of really subtle changes and then bigger uh, modifications um, on that. Like, um, you know, the, the capture the base instead of capture the flag and so huh, forth. Huh. So there's uh, a lot of different variations in the hacking world of capture the flag as well. The basic capture the flag was... This same sort of a tag defense. Everyone had a base, and that base was software. Mm-hmm. And in that software was a flag, which was uh, a, a random, a token of random bytes. Right. Right. And if you captured that, if you managed to break in, grab the flag, and pull it all the way back, you know, exfiltrated out of uh, the enemy uh, network, out of their software, back to you. <laughs> You could submit it to the organizers, they would see that random string, they knew the original because they Mm -hmm. put it there, and they would give you points. So Um, then this
0: this kind of inherently implies that for this piece of custom software, which you've been relating to a base, right, this means that by default, the software should not read this flag, right? If it was a piece of software that just allowed you to read any file, then getting a flag is not, you know, very impressive or important, which also gets to the core kind of security principle, right, where... You know a security vulnerability only exists if an attacker is able to do something and trick the software to do something it's not supposed to do right so if a system is supposed to be able to read any file then reading a flag is not an impressive feat right we want to actually exactly. make the software do something it's not supposed to do
1: and, and and uh the interesting thing is there are now extremely educational capture the flags, where the software will happily give you the flag. You just have to interact with it in, in the the right way, not necessarily mm-hmm. uh, hack it, right? Um, but but absolutely, especially at the DEF CON level. Um, and, and you know, mistakes happen, and sometimes the challenges are uh, the software is, is more trivially hackable than expected and so yeah. forth. But generally speaking, it should take an enormous um, show of
0: hacking skill to be be able to to hack um to to the flag, right which totally makes sense right i mean that's you know yeah. where this is kind of the the goal of ctfs are to in some sense uh test people's skills but when you think about building this these types of software that have one yeah. intentional flaw that is something really cool it's very clear to see well you know human beings when you're a company, let's say like Google or Facebook or whoever, you're trying to build software that has zero vulnerabilities. And yet oftentimes these companies fail and have security vulnerabilities. And so it makes sense that even you know, some of the best people when you're making a vulnerable service for a CTF, you're trying to just do one bug, but oftentimes that you don't meet that goal and yeah. maybe there's others.
1: Yeah, yep. Yeah. Or you know, maybe you're trying to just have four bugs that makes it, you know, e- even even trickier because right. then, you know, maybe they, the primitives that make up these bugs interact in some yeah, weird way. Two of
0: them, and them allow them, them to bugs. completely bypass your other two. So
1: exactly, yeah, yeah exactly. So, anyways, um, so that's that's the traditional style, right? Uh, attack defense. You have an enemy base like you do in video games, and it's software, and you go in and you
0: retrieve the flag okay so then the video game um, analogy makes a lot of sense because you also have to play defense and try to prevent people from attacking exactly. your base right
1: and and this this can take a lot of different forms right you can um and and previous teams have tried uh, an almost completely network-based approach mm-hmm. right you uh try to um figure out signatures that you can apply okay. network traffic to identify attacks and then draw connections right, right? and that's the equivalent of you know the the fighter being killed on the way back with the flag. Um, you can modify the base itself. You can try to patch the bugs in the software. Mm-hmm. This can be very challenging when you don't have the source code. Right. Um, and, and, I guess uh, it is like a
0: building, uh, right? You're like making changes to a building exactly. without the design. You don't know what's a load-bearing wall necessarily. And
1: <laughs> exactly. Depending on the design of the game, you could make changes to, let's say, the physics engine. Right. So in the past, <laughs> teams have virtualized um, oh, right, the, right. the software in, in, a, in an emulator that has built-in security features, right? So things like this. Right. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of different strategies. Uh, but, again, this is kind of the base version. So mm-hmm. um, as CTF has spread and become more um, adapted to uh, the Internet mm-hmm. or to being run over the Internet and so forth, um, this sort of uh, uh, team versus team direct competition is, is hard to scale. Right. Uh, there are CTF that try, um, there have been uh, Rue CTFs and ICTFs that have scaled to, you know, a thousand teams or something. But but it's, it gets extremely chaotic, right? You have a 1,000 versus 1,000 free-for-all um, kind of a... There, there there are, you know, memes that, that we use for, for <laughs> what can go wrong in these scenarios. Yes, definitely. Yeah, so um, other... Game styles have been created mm-hmm. um, one such uh, game style a very early one and the one used for uh, defcon qualifiers for example and and many many other um, online CTFs is a jeopardy style okay um, competition and what this means is like jeopardy you know and originally it was actually the website was like the jeopardy uh, challenge board or yep. the whatever board and uh, you would have different categories and and you had you know uh potent ponables and and uh binary mastery and whatever right reversing and and and, and so on different categories of hacking um you know prowess mm-hmm. right web security and so forth you would choose uh one team whoever was uh the top team or or whoever solved the the uh, latest the problem or so forth first would uh choose a category and they say okay we'll take potent ponables for 200 points instead of dollars or points, yep. right? And it was the same as Jeopardy. And then basically um, you would unlock this, this problem and it would be a piece of software hosted by the organizers mm-hmm. that you would be attacking. Um, you wouldn't be attacking teams directly. The team-to-team competition came from who can do this fastest, who can right. um, You know, do uh, more problems mm-hmm. and so forth. Um, and... In initially, uh, this came around as um, this concept of a qualifying event for DEF CON CTF, um, as far as I know, hmm. and then um, spread out and was adopted uh, kind of more globally as like, a like you said uh, with different
0: variations, though, right? Different modes, like exactly. maybe maybe the the players don't get to choose which things to open mm. or not open, and so you know maybe the organizers choose, or maybe they're all open okay. at once, or you know.
1: Yep. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it started from this jeopardy style and then, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's still called a jeopardy style CTF.
0: It's by far the
1: most popular CTF format. Uh, um,
0: okay. So you have kind of CTFs, right? And then mm-hmm. this large kind of capture the flag, um, trying to understand, uh, and identify security vulnerabilities and software, which is kind of the goal. And then you have different game modes where you have attack defense, uh, and this jeopardy style.
1: Yep, exactly. Awesome. Um, And then there others emerged. Mm -hmm. So um, my first exposure to this one, I'll I'll talk about um, next. I I think this was the original creators of it um, at a CTF that I, um, again, that also had a qualifying round Mm -hmm. that was Jeopardy style. And then from that qualifying round, uh, we were invited to go to Japan in person and compete at SECON CTF. Um, This was maybe 2015 or something. Um, SECON ctf created as far as i know they created this uh the king of the hill mm-hmm. style of uh capture the flag competition and this is yet another variant where um and and it's inspired as far as i can tell by king of the hill in video games again right so you have a uh you have to be the best to defend a particular room or something right but in the same sense in in the hacking uh parlance you have to um, come up with the best solution mm-hmm. to defend your mastery of a challenge. Right. Um, and uh, there, there can be any wide range of, of, of types of these challenges. The most approachable one to people with a computer science mm-hmm. background is, is kind of an algorithmic complexity improvement. Not necessarily, this wouldn't be a security challenge, right. King of the Hill, but it can be in, in cool ways. But if you, um, for example, uh, think of, of, of sorting, so you mm-hmm. have a challenge where you get just giant amount of data and you have to sort it as fast as possible. And you can think of, okay, one team might invent bubble sort, mm-hmm. right? And that's N squared. And then another team might come up with merge sort, another team with quick sort. And then uh, these teams are kind of uh, improving on their solutions and so forth and right. trying to to sort faster. In the same way, hacking uh, King of the Hill challenges have some sort of uh, measurement mm-hmm. of, of how uh, good your solution is. Sometimes... The solution is just your solution against the organizer um, oh, interesting.
0: Uh, challenge. And sometimes
1: it is actually competing with other solutions. in kind of a code wars type scenario. So like where are driving each
0: other up and up. And uh, Exactly. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So we actually, in my undergrad, we had a professor who, for one of our first kind of programming classes, for one of the assignments said, okay, I'll give extra credit to the person who writes this Java program using the least amount of semicolons. And so nah, that's yeah, awesome. it's like, it's kind of an arbitrary goal, but it really does help you try to focus and try to really understand the language to say, okay, when are semicolons actually necessary? And you can do, you can abuse the heck out of like a wall statement, a while statement and lots of yeah. other stuff is what I remember.
1: That, that is very cool. Yeah. that That's a great idea. Um, but but yeah, so, so basically there are these kind of three, and, and then there have been, these are the three, Mm-hmm. Big ones. Um, definitely Attack Defense and Jeopardy. Or Jeopardy is the most popular. Attack Defense is the second most popular. Right. King of the Hill is is way behind, but still uh, popular. Um, there have been other ones. Um, also, out of Japan, there was a bullseye mm-hmm. um, concept where your uh, solution had to be the most reliable.
0: Hmm. Which um, actually has oftentimes. a lot of parallels in real-world applications of security, right? Absolutely. Like you, yeah. You know, if you're... Um, a government or whatever, and you're going to launch an exploit. You know, you don't want to launch the exploit. You'd rather have like a 99% chance that it's going to succeed rather than a 10% chance.
1: Exactly.
0: Yeah. Um, and uh, there have been
1: styles. Uh, there have been minor variants on all of these different mm-hmm. styles. I mean, um, me and you at, at in Santa Barbara organized an attack defense CTF where there was no. Um, uh, defense possible, if I remember correctly. Correct. You had to yes. identify attacks. Yeah, so the idea was, was the to turn
0: it into a network analysis game to where you would get a PCAP that had all of the network traffic in it, and then you'd have a website that listed all that network traffic and said, okay, which of these are malicious attacks that actually were exploiting you? Um, yeah. yeah, that was a crazy There, there
1: year. were some issues. <laughs> the, the, the idea was interesting. Yeah, been, um, ICTF is great. Hybrids
0: of these. Yep. Um,
1: there was one hybrid uh, in Santa Barbara in 2011. There was a hybrid of attack, defense, and jeopardy, mm-hmm. where there were two types of, of points, basically, that you could score. One from exploiting other teams and one from solving challenges provided by the right, organizers. Right. Um, our DEF CON CTF, this might be jumping ahead, has been uh, a hybrid of attack, defense, and king of the hill.
0: Right. Um And then we just did uh, for for uh, DEFCON 28 quals, we introduced uh, golf style challenges, which tried to bring King of the Hill into a Jeopardy style, uh, which kind of was inspired by Code Golf, right? Which is a similar thing we talked about is how can you do the same thing in the least amount of code or like uh, Vim golf is another thing, right? Of how do you do it? And I don't know. I use Emacs, but I understand the concept, right? How do you do it with the least number of keystrokes to accomplish some goal? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. Cool. So th- there's this uh, widely uh, diversified type of CTF. So I guess from, from the perspective, what is CTF? Yeah. The summary is you take a competitive concept mm-hmm. like King of the Hill or Capture the Flag and so forth, and then you build in a security aspect. Mm-hmm. You put in um, vulnerable software or, uh, you know, unsolved uh, or, or maybe just, you know, academically solved, but not very demonstrated cryptographic flaws right. and all of these things. And then you see what the players can do.
0: Cool. So that's actually a great introduction. And maybe we can end this with talking briefly about what do you think, like, what do you get out of CTF? Like, why do teams play CTFs?
1: Yeah, um the, the biggest thing for me personally, mm-hmm. I, I, I can speak to this.
0: Well, don't speak um, for the whole community. I don't think they'd appreciate that, but.
1: Exactly. <laughs> um At a very personal level, what I get out of CTF is um, this incredible uh, journey where at the beginning of the journey, a CTF typically, let's say, lasts a weekend, Mm -hmm. right? So, Friday night, you sit down and you... I think that's actually um, a good point
0: we didn't mention. So, it can be anywhere from mm -hmm. eight hours to 48 hours to some go for weeks and weeks. Um, Typically, uh, most... Yeah, go ahead.
1: There's a style of CTF called... well. Of CTF called war games, right? Which are just right. offline and and are always you know available. You right. just rack up points uh, over time.
0: So, anyways, uh, yeah. So that's the time aspect. But you were talking about so you working on a challenge yeah. for the weekend.
1: So I'll give I'll give a concrete example. Yes, please. Right? Um, Seccon, I mentioned the, the finals where we were King of the Hill. The qualifying. Are they sponsoring round. sponsoring this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy the smooth <laughs> taste of Seccon CTF.
0: <laughs> Always goes down smooth. Anyways,
1: um the uh qualifying round for that second was was insane. I, I sit down Friday night, mm-hmm. open up uh the, the, the CTF and, and you know grab a challenge to work on. I open up the challenge, I'm not making this up. It is a photo of a pancake <laughs> that is half eaten. And on this pancake someone had printed <laughs> I don't know how you print on a pancake. I didn't ask, uh, but but they managed. I well, guess they must if have. If you design this
0: challenge, out. let us know, and we'll have you on the show, and we'll talk about it.
1: Exactly. Yeah, I'd love to talk to the person that designed this pancake. On this pancake is a QR code, and the QR code is partially eaten. Uh-huh. A third of the someone ate a third of the QR code.
0: I think i heard and, that's the best part. It's like crunchy in parts, but exactly, like not exactly. Know,
1: yeah. And 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 the the challenge was, of course. Recover mm-hmm. the data in that QR code, and it's half eaten. Um, that that challenge was incredible because I started out; I had never even thought about what is inside a QR code. I mean, you
0: probably seen you it, know, it before, just, right? Like you know what a QR yeah. code looks like, but you didn't yeah. really dig into like you know how it works or anything, right?
1: Yeah, it was a, a two-dimensional barcode. Somehow it encodes data. <laughs> you photograph it, and your phone tells you that you know this is some URL, and you go right. so. Uh, the by the end of that CTF, through several different QR challenges, mm-hmm. I could read QR codes manually. like I could see QR codes. It was insane, right I had libraries I'd written to mm-hmm. parse QR codes to parse, like the very you know inner workings of them that that more generalized uh, previously available libraries, couldn't uh, handle, I understood how the error correction in QR codes worked, how the encoding worked, how uh, pixel overlays, the timing, it was amazing, and I would have never bothered to learn about QR codes, most likely, in my right. normal life, right. right, but but this CTF sent me down a into this journey of discovery, in which I went from knowing nothing about a technology such as QR codes, mm-hmm. to knowing so much that i was able to uh understand it in some ways better than people that that use qr codes on a regular basis like really use them right. not just scan them but make them and so forth. right um and that is the feeling of an amazing um ctf uh where you you have your mind kind of expanded forcefully and painfully
0: uh, so the drive, the drive for competition and the drive for winning, it really kind of matches, exactly. I guess, the hacker drive for knowledge, right? Because you're uh, diving into this new area, and whether you do it or not, I think I'll, I'll talk about a, a similar one, which I don't think I did directly, but oh. I mean, there, there, are some, always some fun ones of like, I do a lot of web security kind of CTF challenges. So, you know, sometimes it's, it's a crazy, oh yeah, that was a fun one of, I think it was even an unintended vector where there was a hit con quals that we were competing with shellfish in Santa Barbara. And it was this insane thing where, uh, I remember the challenge correctly because there were two different, um, they first, yeah, they were storing in MySQL like the connections that you were making and then they would check to, like, blacklist you somehow if you use certain keywords based on that that MySQL database. And then they would talk to this Postgres database and then do some stuff in Node after the fact with that. Then the intended solution was that you're supposed to, on the MySQL database, you were supposed to... Um, uh, create a packet size that was so large that it would get dropped by mysql and the node application would never get the response back anyways well i didn't realize that so i spent a lot of time i read the and i'm i'm a traditional i got into basically programming as a lamp developer right like uh, php mysql developing web apps i mean that was my bread and butter love lamp, back in the day man. exactly so like Ruby on I, rails I don't mess with Postgres. Like I, you know, when I have the thing, like I know there's pros and cons, whatever. I just know my SQL and that's just what I do, right? So I never really mess with Postgres. And so what do I end up doing? Reading the Postgres manual, trying to figure out how to evade their stupid filter. And I found there's some insane feature of Postgres that you can specify what character is like the slash encoding character. So instead of something like slash N, you can change the slash to like a tilde or something insane. And you could do that, and you bypass their filters and checks, and we ended up writing an exploit and popped that service and it was just like yeah an insane thing you you realize like oh i'm I'm reading docs about or other web challenges I'm reading docs about a mustache uh templating engine <laughs> like I'm really understanding what cap- what I can do with the capabilities and the functions that I have in order to do what I want so yeah, I think those there's
1: are... another another uh Challenge, I think same CTF where I look over at one point and you are looking at MySQL or no, not MySQL PHP, oh, PHP source, source. Code.
0: Yes, yes, that's something yeah, I learned yeah, yeah, from like, Orange. Uh, it's like his challenges is what I learned from those is you got to look at the source code or Perl. I think in one case or yeah, there's been crazy yeah, yeah, cases. But where... I, and I don't mean like something written like I mean no, no, like you're, you're, you're understanding how Perl
1: works yeah. internally in an implementation level to do some. I think what did you do? You abuse some functionality there, there's a weird open. perl has this
0: insane feature where you can open a file and you can if it starts with a bar you can put different like uh programs to execute so it'll actually execute something instead of opening something because perl is a monster so i, I don't know but yeah yeah
1: and 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 it was you know a CTF that required you to yeah. understand the implications of an unguarded open call exactly um yep. yeah so so it's the, this is what is kind of ctf in a nutshell it is forced learning it's something that i try to convey in my course mm-hmm. as well um in my course uh i try to cover an enormous amount of cybersecurity concepts and uh, you know I, I have to be honest with the students like there's no way to lecture all of this knowledge this knowledge has to be obtained right you know not given <laughs> in some sense um and and so you know what they learn and what their feedback is afterwards is we learn to learn
0: yep. where every yep. week is like that's a CTF, great. Right? Yeah, that's, so that's, you know, I, that's probably the biggest thing about CTFs, right? It does force you to learn yeah. things very quickly. And at a, I mean, the thing I like to say is like, sure, I can, I can lecture to you and explain to you about a buffer overflow. It's not, it's actually not that complicated, right? I mean, I have slides, 20 minutes, I can walk you through it. You'll understand what happens in a buffer overflow. But until you sit there and exploit this specific program that you didn't write, that was written by somebody else, and you have to debug it because your exploit doesn't work on the first try, uh, that really deepens your level of understanding far beyond. So like once you put fingers to keyboard, that's really where that learning, I think, happens a lot for these CTF challenges. And that's why CTFs are so important is because they force that, right? It's like, no, no, don't write me a paper on how buffer overflows work exploit this binary <laughs> cool so yeah. i think on that note we've got a good uh, basis here for to kind of catch people up on what ctf is and hopefully in the future we'll be able to explore these different areas that we talked about
1: absolutely cool i'm excited about seeing this uh podcast evolve yep see you, everyone bye see ya. bye everybody